Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Monday, the 13th of December. After 141 days, Queensland has officially reopened its borders, with thousands allowed to travel into the Sunshine State from midnight Queensland time. Fully vaccinated travellers will have to provide a negative PCR test within 72 hours of arrival and will also need to be tested on day five. Travellers into Queensland will also need a permit, which was only made available hours before the borders reopened. Around 50,000 people are expected to cross into the Sunshine State from today, and it's set to be an emotional reunion for many, including these grandparents from New South Wales. We're going up to see our son in Townsville, which we haven't seen for two years. Oh my goodness. And our grandson, our new grandson. And Queenslander John hasn't seen his elderly mother who lives in New South Wales for two years because of ongoing lockdowns and border restrictions. And then in the end we just felt we couldn't go because we didn't want to get stranded. And then uh, my, we've been video calling my mother, but just in the last two weeks she's been bedridden and she's in her last days. Mm. So we have to go down today. That audio thanks to Channel 9. Meantime, WA will announce its border reopening plan today, with Premier Mark McGowan set to end weeks of speculation, with the state set to hit its 80% double vaccinated target sometime this week. The federal government has announced it will accelerate the nation's COVID booster shot program as the new Omicron variant continues to spread across Australia. Atagi has now recommended a five-month gap instead of six between the second and third vaccine, with Moderna also given the tick of approval to be used in the booster program. Here is Federal Health Department Secretary Brendan Murphy. The boosters are very important to give that extra immunity particularly as the Omicron variant is likely to spread around the world. It comes as Omicron cases continue to grow across New South Wales, with authorities issuing a new health alert about a possible exposure site at a popular nightclub. 24 people have tested positive so far at the Argyll House nightclub in Newcastle, north of Sydney, with at least one person testing positive to the new strain. And for the first time, a person with Omicron has been admitted to hospital. Their condition is unknown at this stage. A new 72-hour mask mandate has been enforced across six remote communities with a number of new COVID cases recorded. Concerns are growing with fears many infections are going undetected. Deputy Chief Health Officer Dr Charles Payne says vaccination is the way out of the current crisis. If you do get vaccinated, even with your first dose, you will get some protection. So at this time, when we're seeing Wastewater positive results, which tells us that it's likely there are people out across the Big Rivers area. Please get vaccinated in response. To other news now this Monday morning, overseas into the US, where dozens of families are desperately searching for hundreds of loved ones that are still missing after deadly tornadoes wreaked havoc across several states. Kentucky was the hardest hit flattening the town of Mayfield. Around 110 people were trapped in a local candle factory. The death toll now stands at at least 70, but that figure is expected to increase dramatically, with emergency services turning from rescue to recovery. Here is Kentucky Governor Andrew Bashir. This event is the worst, most devastating, most deadly tornado event in Kentucky's history. 
Meantime, the powerful storms also flattened an Amazon warehouse in Illinois. Local fire chief James Whiteford says they're still not sure how many workers were inside at the time. We found two locations basically where uh, we, we had victims so far. There was a shift change going on. The warehouse doesn't have a specific count of how many employees were in the building. Let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to Victoria. And thousands of protesters have taken to the streets across Melbourne protesting mandatory vaccination. There were similar scenes across Sydney and on the New South Wales-Queensland border. But as our reporter James Lake says from Melbourne, onlookers have started turning on protesters. In a way, they have tarred onlookers who are out and about enjoying their freedoms again are angry at having their weekends interrupted by protesters supposedly rallying for freedom. People in high-rise apartments around the city were seen pouring water on demonstrators from their balconies, while people marching were also asked to explain exactly what they were protesting for. Protest sizes have shrunk, though, in recent weeks, down to around 4,000 yesterday, and only one arrest was made this time, a 59-year-old woman accused of assaulting a police officer. And to far north Queensland, and the tourist hotspot has been rocked by a shark attack just as the region reopens to the rest of the country. Our reporter Matt Layton has more from Cairns. Tasha, 24-year-old man, is in Cairns Hospital after the scary incident unfolded off Yarrabah. A rescue helicopter was called to pick up the victim yesterday. He remains in a stable condition. It's unclear what type of shark bit the man or the extent of his injuries. This incident comes after a 34-year-old was bitten further down the coast at Airlie Beach just a few weeks ago. Queensland is rolling out a $4 million pilot program which aims to mitigate the risk of shark attacks. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Peter Switzer from the switzerreport.com.au. Peter, good morning. The National Housing Finance and Investment Corporation has confirmed what many of us already know. Just three in four properties in Sydney and only half in Melbourne are only affordable for one in five first home buyers. One may say I'm not good at math, so break down these stats for us. <laughs> and these are first-hand buyers on very high incomes. The conclusion on who can buy in Sydney and Melbourne is based on affordability where rent or mortgage repayments costing no more than 30% of household income are then compared to property prices and interest rates. In Sydney, 60% of first-hand buyers can afford fewer than 10% of properties. In Melbourne, this rises to about 20% of properties. And talking about home loans and banks, a bank watchdog wants to name and shame banks behaving badly, but it wants to be able to find misbehaving banks, but it doesn't have the power to do so. And the twist in this story is that the Banking Code Compliance Committee, which is tasked with making banks stick to the banking code of practice, has been set up by the banks themselves. The committee wants to find banks, but a recent report to the watchdog says naming and shaming should be the main punishment for banks behaving badly. And no penalties, though. No, but they reckon that the financial impact of being shamed in the media is actually worse than than the size of the penalties that were put forward. Interesting. And US inflation came in at the highest reading in close to 40 years, Peter, but US stocks rose and interest rates fell. How did that happen? 
It seems crazy with an inflation rate of wait for it, 6.8%. You expect US interest rates to instantly spike, which should cause stocks to be sold off, driving share prices down. But the opposite happened on Wall Street on Friday. Why? Well, the market actually expected a higher number because of supply chain problems and worker shortages linked to the pandemic. Our stock market is also expected to rise today. Anything can happen in 2021. Let's bring on 2022. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, good morning. Gosh, what a sensational race overnight. Mercedes has, though, lodged an official protest after a dramatic and controversial end to the Formula One season. Yes, good morning, Tash. Two protests, in fact, they've lodged this morning. Lewis Hamilton was overtaken by Max Verstappen to claim the F1 World Championship on the very last lap of the season. They believe uh, the race director, Michael Mazzi, who's an Australian, by the way, breached safety car rules. He made a last-minute call for five overlap cars to get out of the way to allow Verstappen to come right up behind Hamilton's wheel. Straight after the race, though, Hamilton seemed gracious in defeat. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, firstly... A big congratulations to Max and to his team. I think we did an amazing job uh, this year. On KO Sports there, I don't think the result will be overturned, but it does seem like they were a little bit loose with the the rules this morning, Tash, so they could actually have a race for the final lap because the alternative was Hamilton would finish behind the safety car and then win the world title, which would have been a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, very controversial indeed. And Brett, selectors are likely to make at least one change to the Aussie 11 ahead of the second test in Adelaide. Yeah, there is one report out this morning saying that Josh Hazelwood will definitely miss. That is yet to be confirmed by uh, Cricket Australia. He's battling a side strain after the first test at the Gabba. Was spotted at uh, Brisbane Airport yesterday flying home to Sydney. Triple M's Brad Haddon says it means that WA's Jai Richardson is in line to debut. I don't think the three Australian quicks to play all three test matches. And if Josh Hazel is under any injury cloud, this is a test you want Richardson playing. Oh, I think he suits the pink ball test. He's been in great form. Now, David Warner also has sore ribs and is in some doubt to play as well. In the BBL last night, two wins in three days for the Melbourne Stars over the Sydney Thunder. Andre Russell was the star of the show, top scoring with 42. Tonight, we've got the Brisbane Heat hosting the Renegades on the Gold Coast. And some people are calling up basket brawl. Brett, the NBL throwdown in Melbourne turned very nasty yesterday. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think some sanctions will be dished out after this. Uh, Mitch Creek dunked on Matthew Dallavadova. Now, in basketball, you can't celebrate too hard, Tash. Otherwise, it's a tech foul. Oh, come and, on. Uh, Mitch Creek copped a tech foul for that. Before the referee could step in, though, Mason Peatling, the United big man, he stepped in and bumped Creek to the court, was ejected after that. It did spark an all-in brawl. Here is Mitch Creek explaining what went down. I looked up and I got a shoulder to the face, and after that I was like, that's not okay. We don't, we don't play basketball that way. I'm never going to let anyone play that way. So I apologise to people if I took the game into, into the wrong way, but... I'll protect my teammates, I'll protect myself, but that's not how you play basketball. And just to wrap up, Geordie Barrett, the All Black star, was on a podcast over the weekend, Tash, and said he's open to playing rugby league, so I reckon his manager might get a few calls from NRL clubs this morning. Oh, watch this space. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. And a couple in China has finally been reunited with their missing son 14 years after he was kidnapped. Sun Zhao was abducted from the city of Shenzhen when he was three. But his parents never gave up hope of finding their little boy and their search made international headlines. 
A DNA test proves son, who is now 18, was their biological child and a special ceremony has been held to mark the emotional reunion. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, you can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.